Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Well, as Sloan said earlier, my name is Brad. My wife, Shelby, was on the stage leading worship. We oversee groups for both campuses, so we are passionate uh, in seeing people get connected in. I want to remind all of us this morning that if this is your church, if this is your community, that there is a place for you, that we believe there's a community of believers that are here to grow with, to encourage you, to challenge you to keep you accountable through the journey of life that you're facing. We would love if you're not part of a group and interested in joining within the community uh, to come talk to us. We have our campus coaches here in the front, Shane and Sharla, so if you want to just give a little wave, Sharla, uh, they can answer any questions you guys have as well. Or if you're thinking about starting a group, you, you've thought, hey, I've always wanted to host people, um, we'd love to come alongside you as well. We're always looking for leaders that can um, provide a space where people can gather and grow together. So we'd love to do that with you. Today we're continuing our series on This Is Us, and I'm going to be speaking this morning about what it means to be a relationally driven church, that we as a church believe in the values of connecting people to Jesus and also connecting people within a community of believers. And as I was preparing for this message, I was reading through some surveys and studies about social isolation. And I actually came across studies in 2018 and 2019, so before the time period of the pandemic. And in these studies, some of the the numbers shocked me. It said that 50% of people in this survey said that they felt feelings of loneliness or left out. And 40% of the people within the survey said they didn't feel they had any meaningful relationships in their life. The crazier thing about this this study, when it was concluding what it found, is it was sharing that there was actually a physical health impact that social isolation was was having on people's life. That it actually said that they could study that people who are experiencing loneliness and depression was having a physical impact on their life that would be comparable to someone smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I think we could relate to the fact that even the cigarette companies on their boxes share that there's a health concern when you're making the choice to smoke cigarettes. But I think sometimes we forget the impact of what being disconnected from relationship can have on our life. This study was revealing that it actually shortens one's life and is something that we need to think about. The incredible thing about God is I believe He designed us for relationship. He designed us for connection right from the very beginning. In Genesis 1, 26 to 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When we look at this picture of God creating us in his image, 
I think we need to think about the very nature and character of God. We explain God in this aspect or concept called the Trinity. God represented as the Father, as the Son in Jesus Christ, and as the Holy Spirit. In the very nature and character of God, we see interconnectedness and relationship. If God has created us in his image, he created us to be in relationship. In Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. What I love about this is God didn't just see that he had made his creation to be in relationship with him, but he recognized that his creation, the pinnacle of creation in humanity, needed to be in relationship with each other. He created a helper in the garden so that they could be co-laborers together and having dominion over what God had called them to do in the world. What I love about the image that we get of God is that God intimately connected with his creation. It actually speaks in Genesis that he breathed the breath of life into creation. And we see this in Genesis 2, 7, where it says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The cool thing about this scripture is we actually see a parallel to it in John 20, where we see in the old creation, the beginning stages of creation, God breathed the breath of life. But in John 20, we come into the story where his disciples are actually locked in this upper room. Jesus has just died. The disciples are in fear of the Jewish leaders who have just killed their leader, not knowing what to do, not knowing if they're next, not knowing if the man they'd been following for three years was not who he said he was, wrestling with probably their own understanding of who he was, but trying to find peace in a tumultuous time that they are facing. But thankfully, Jesus in his risen new body didn't worry that the door was locked. He just slipped in through the wall. He shows up in this moment, and I think the message that he speaks to his disciples is so powerful. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Who here this morning needs some peace in their world? Then he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did you guys catch that? And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, again, connects to his creation and intimately breathes on them as he empowers them for what they're about to walk into. It then says, if you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, that's a passage for another message at another time. But I think what's so cool is we see in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit is then imparted at a Pentecost on all the believers that are gathered there. We see a picture and an image of what Jesus starts with his disciples and empowering them, reminding them that that three-year journey of what he had taught them had meant something, that he was preparing them for the time when he was about to leave, but reminding them that they had what it took to carry it on, that the Holy Spirit would be coming to be with them. And after this time, we actually get this image of what the body of Christ should look like in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. Here it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see this picture in this model of the disciples taking what Jesus had imparted to them, building a community of believers who are now authentically representing Christ, caring for those in need, sharing in a meal together. I think there's some symbolism um, for sure in the Lord's Supper of communion, but I think there's a practical thing here. They realize the importance of gathering and being in relationship together. And as they did that, as they had that authentic expression, it says number, their numbers grew daily, that people were coming to know Jesus, that people were coming to experience Jesus as a result of this. My first point tonight, church, is that first, we need to be connected to Jesus. It's great to be in community. I'm gonna talk about that. But the starting point for us is a reminder that we first need to be connected to our creator. And there's an incredible picture in John 15 that Jesus gives for his disciples in a time that he's preparing them for the time that he's no longer gonna be with them. He's giving them an image knowing that the times ahead of them are gonna be challenging, knowing that there's gonna be persecution that they're gonna face, knowing that they're gonna to need to stand in their faith. He gives them a picture that would be relevant for them that they could hold on to. And we get this picture in John 15. He says to them, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but there's, there's a lot of good things in this scripture. I can relate to the aspect of there's some branches, there's some things in our life that need to be cut off. And I'm thankful that, that God takes moments in life to cut those dead branches off, to remove those things that are not bringing life through my life of how God's called me to live. But the challenging part of this that I wanna to touch on today is it actually says that God prunes the healthy branches. Now, I don't know about you, but I've faced moments in my life where I felt I was a part in doing something that God had called me to do and somehow it needed to end or shift or change. And I got caught in that moment of wondering, God, what are you doing? But if we have anybody who understands the process of pruning, in order for that tree to become healthier, even the good branches need to be pruned so that they may bear more fruit. I don't know if you're in a season right now where God is pruning, but there may be something you're holding on to that, that God is saying, don't worry, I got you. This needs to shift a little bit. You need to lay this thing down so I can prune it to bring more fruit in this next season of life of what I'm calling you into. I know for me, it can be so easy to just say, hey God, I, I wanna include you in this process and then just go do things in my own strength. Or say, God, in this moment, I really need to experience your peace. God, I just pray for peace over my world and then I go face the challenges of life and I just do it on my own. And God really confronted me this past month of, are you inviting me into that moment or that struggle in your life that you want peace in? Or are you just praying this blanket prayer of peace and then doing things in your own strength? He convicted me, if you want me to meet you in that moment, 
and journey with you in that moment. You need to invite me into what that experience is. God knows what we're going through, but he's not someone who forces himself into our life to do things his way. Created in his likeness means that we have the free will to choose, to choose to connect with God or choose to disconnect with God. The incredible thing is that God is always ready and waiting to reconnect with us. And I think there's a call for some of us to take that moment to actually reconnect with God in our life. As I was preparing this, I was reminded of a story when I went away to Bible college. And in this time, I was, I was trying to figure out my own faith and I was trying to discover, God, what does a relationship with you mean? What does a relationship with you look like? And I was in this prayer room, and I call it my prayer room experience just because I was in a prayer room. But I was praying to God and just letting him know what was on my heart, recognizing that there was things that I was doing in my life that were sinful, but also struggling with, God, if you're real, I need you to show yourself to me. And so I prayed this prayer, God, if you're true, I, just, I need you in this moment to show up and just prove that I know that I know that you're real. If you're not, okay, I'll just keep living my Christian life. I'll keep saying I'm a Christian, but I'll just live however I want to live. It'll just be a label. It'll just be something I do. Now, in this moment, I was also struggling with like aspects of purity and what this looked like. What did it mean to live a life for God? What did it mean for the choices of my life to model that? And I said, okay, God, I need you to do something. And something happened in this moment that hasn't happened again. And what I think and believe that God was showing me this in this time is that he saw my face step and he met me in that moment. And I wanna encourage us today that there's, there's moments in your life, maybe right now, maybe coming up, but when you take that face step, God's gonna meet you in that moment. And so for me, as I was praying this, I got Hebrews 10, 21, sorry, 22 and 23, and I had no idea what this verse was. So I opened it up. I'm like, what? It's in, it's in the middle of a sentence. Like, that, that can't make sense. Like, why would I come halfway through a train of thought? But as I read it out, this is what it said. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, I don't know what this verse speaks to you, but in that moment, as I was wrestling with these things, I felt this verse was just checking the boxes. That God knew the verse that I needed to hear in that moment to reassure me, okay, you can think of chances, but this is pretty well lining up for what you've asked. And then I was actually reminded of a verse that when I got there, um, someone had written on a card to me when I got to Bible college, and on it was 1 John 2.17, which has become my life verse. And it says, the world and its desires will pass away, but the one who does the will of God will live forever. In this moment, he was shifting my focus to reconnecting with him in an authentic way. It was in that moment that I decided I need to live my life in such a way that I build the body of Christ, that I don't live for myself, but I realize that God has me, he has a plan and a purpose for my life that's greater than I understand. My second point tonight is that we need to be connected to the community of God, the body of Christ. I believe that the church is a local expression of how God's designed for us to do that. 
In the following two verses in Hebrews 10 there, in 24 and 25, there's two verses that have really convicted me through this month. And it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I do believe that Christianity is not a faith that's to be done in isolation. Now, I believe there's biblical models of Jesus taking moments to be alone with the Father, taking moments of isolation to be filled with God, or even seasons where there's an aspect of this happening. But I think it's clear from the biblical picture that God has always created us intentionally to be in relationship with him as well as relationship with others. And I believe the body of Christ is a model for what this can look like for us. And I think in 1 Corinthians, we see a great picture through Paul of what this looks like. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 to 27, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts from one, form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The body of Christ reminds us that God has created each one of us with intentionality. I fully believe that it's not about the person who's just on the stage speaking. It's not about just the worship team that has a platform to lead us in worship. It's about each one of us in these seats being a vital part of Christ's body. We each have a role to play. This verse is such an important reminder to me that each one of us impacts our world, our environment in a way that others within here cannot. I wanna remind us today that each one of us is part of that vital role in being a part of Christ's body that we can model to the rest of our world. I've heard Pastor Lauren share a quote many times and so I, I hope not to misrepresent it or butcher it. But he says, find your place Find your people and you will find your purpose. I believe that it's important that we find a place where we can grow with a group of people that we're willing to be accountable with and journey in faith together. And as we do that, we'll find our purpose in life. I believe the church is important not just for being a place where we gather and celebrate 
but with some more intentionality behind finding a group of people that will encourage us, but also challenge us. And furthermore, some people that we can submit under, and I'm not speaking of abusive leadership or manipulation, but people we respect the voice in our life that we're willing to allow speak into our world when there's things we cannot see. What I'm speaking about is, a, is accountability. That we're, there's people around us that we've positioned to actually call us out on some things, to help us with the things we're wrestling with in our life that we don't do it alone. Because I believe these people help shift our focus off of ourselves back to God as we're trying to sort these things out. It says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Such a perfect picture for us to remind us that we need each other. And in John 15, 8, it says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Linking back to that, that picture of the vine in John 15, I want to speak to us today that salvation is not merely about escaping some form of consequence or not going to hell. The purpose of salvation is to bring glory to God. If we are so caught up in just the thing that we're escaping or driven by fear, I think we miss the very heart of the gospel and the very aspect of what Jesus wants from us, which is to be in relationship with him so that we can carry that relationship into the relationship we have with others and even more to carry it into our world that needs an expression, an authentic model of Jesus in our world. God is calling us to model peace, joy, and love into our world. The challenge is within our world, we're experiencing counterfeits of these things every day. When we think of peace, we often think, well, if we can just be a part of uh, one global religion or one government or one economy, if this utopian idea could just be formed, then everything would be okay. But the reality is I believe each one of us who's a critical thinker would probably be able to recognize that each one of us is unique that we have different opinions, that we have a different perspective of how we view things, that that utopian idea is not gonna bring us peace because there's things we'll disagree on. I wanna share this morning that us as a church, we believe in the validity of different people's opinions. This may even come and there's some different interpretations you have about passages of the Bible. We believe that's okay. We believe there's some foundational truths of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to die for our sins, there's some foundational things that we hold true to, but we believe it's a journey together that when we come into a body of believers, there's some things within scripture that we can wrestle through together because God has designed us to do it that way. The way Jewish scriptures and writings are made is designed for it to be a journey of working out and processing through, including God in the process and including other people. This is the model we're called to follow. In the Hebrew, the word for peace is salom, and it has four meanings. One of them is talking about wholeness of life or body. It's actually speaking of our health. It speaks of the second one, harmony established by two parties through a covenant agreement. The third is a prosperity or fulfillment. And the fourth is victory over enemies or the absence of war. What I wanna remind us of is the message of peace that the world gives is actually different than the message of peace that God gives. Jesus reminded his disciples of this in John 14, 27, when he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's reminding them to shift their focus back to him. And I believe Paul echoes this in a verse that's really been speaking to me and challenging me in this season of life. And it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's reminding us that we're not called to do this on our own. We're actually called to turn to God. Bring those prayers and those petitions, those very specific things that you're facing in your world and allow him to be included in that process that his peace can meet you in that moment. The second counterfeit is joy. I believe sometimes we think that if we could just get the perfect job or be in the perfect relationship or even for me, it was like if I could go to the perfect party to have fun with my friends, then I would experience that joy. But the reality is these things will always lack the fulfillment that can only be found through Jesus. In Psalm 1611, it says, in God's presence, we find the fullness of joy. And in Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, not trusting in ourselves, Trusting in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a great connection to that John 20 moment where the Holy Spirit was breathed on them. A reminder of that moment where they needed peace, where they needed to live with his joy comes from the Holy Spirit. And in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We need to have God's joy within us in order for the joy that we're looking for to be complete. And the last one is love. I believe the counterfeit that our world tries to sell us on is that love is just a feeling. I'll never forget when I was married and Pastor Lauren married Shelby and I. I feel like it was the first thing he said. Maybe I just forget everything else that was said. But he said, Brad, love is not a feeling. If love was just a feeling, you can just easily fall out of love as you can fall into love. Love is a choice. And you'll choose each day to love your wife, to make decisions and sacrifices to choose love. In John 15, 13, I think Jesus sums this up in a powerful way that relates to us in every relationship of life. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is the very thing that Jesus did for us. He gave his life he laid down his life for all of us. But he's calling his disciples, he's calling us today to think about what that would mean for us. Church, it's more than a feeling because our feelings will not likely line up with some of the choices or sacrifices we'll need to make to act from a place of love. In John 15, 9, it says, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Jesus knew that in the greatest moments of persecution, that the church would grow, and he prepared his disciples for this moment. I'm just gonna ask that uh, the keys will come back up on stage as we close here. My reminder for us this morning is that when we are connected to Jesus, we have access to experience his peace, to feel his complete and fulfilling joy, and to share his love with others. I'm often reminded of this picture of, of Stephen in the Bible, where Stephen goes and it speaks of his boldness in preaching and proclaiming the gospel message. Stephen is stoned to death, but the incredible thing to me in this picture is in the moment that he's dying, 
He doesn't accuse. He doesn't point the finger. He doesn't ask God, like, why is this happening to me? He asks God not to hold it against them. It's such a countercultural picture of what we're called to do. I'm often challenged myself, do, do I have the faith in a circumstance like that to stand true and have my heart positioned in the right place before God? But what I believe God's calling us to today is if we want to authentically experience his peace and his joy and his love, for some of us, we may need to reconnect to Jesus. For some, we may need to connect for the first time. And in a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, and there's a stirring that you feel this morning, I want to create a space and a moment where you can do so. Because I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And for others, I believe that there's a, a stirring that's happened this morning that you just feel, I just need to reconnect to Jesus in this moment. I'm in a season of life, there's lots happening, and I know I need the strength of Jesus. First, I just want to read from Romans 15, 1 to 5, which says, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the incredible thing is God sent his son Jesus to reunite us in relationship in the very way that he intended and created us that we see in the picture of the garden in Genesis. I'm just going to ask that every head is bowed in this place, that we just close our eyes and respect those who want to respond in this moment. If that's you that this morning you're feeling, I've never made this decision to follow Jesus. I actually don't know what this means or what it would take to follow Jesus. But you feel there's a prompting in your heart today that I want this Jesus in my life. I don't want to face this life alone. I just ask that you slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. Let's just give us a moment. If that's you, if there's a stirring in your heart to take this moment to respond. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.